0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The second half of the Charger season is in full swing with plenty of high-profile matchups against teams in the division like the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chiefs. Plus, a lot of teams that are going to be coming to L.A., With a vengeance, like the Patriots and the Steelers, even if you're an away fan, you still want to see Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and all the guys come to your city. Maybe if you live in Philadelphia, or if you live in Ohio, or even if you're deep in enemy territory, perhaps at mile high. The Chargers will be coming to all of those places and more in the second half of the season, and this could end up being a historic Super Bowl run for this team. So, You don't want to miss a single second of it if you get a chance to go to one of these games. That's where TickPick comes in. They want to send you to all of these games. And the best part about TickPick is that they're very simple to use, and they don't want to give you those high-end fees that other ticketing sites will give you, plus some fees that come out of nowhere, frankly. So on top of that, they also want to give you $10 off your first ticketing purchase, how are you gonna do that? Well, you're gonna to go to tickpick.com slash charged. That's tickpic slash charged to get ten dollars off of your first ticketing purchase. As fun as highlights are to watch on Twitter, there's nothing that beats the real experience. You wanna say that you were there in person when Justin Herbert threw that ball to Mike Williams that ended the game on a game-winning touchdown, or Derwin James getting a game ending pick six. You want to be there for all of it because this team, this season is special. So again, go to tickpick.com slash charged, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com slash charged for $10 off of your first ticketing purchase, Bolt Up.
2: hello everyone welcome inside the guilty as charged podcast uh was there a football game because i don't think the chargers got the memo uh i think <sighs> that, uh, tyler in his robe didn't get the memo but uh you know it's uh, a rather unfortunate sunday afternoon uh unless you are are also an eagles fan so i guess you know alex got to watch lane johnson score a touchdown i'm super jealous i've always wanted the chargers to be able to do that kind of thing so uh, Alex, we'll start with you since you, you know, have the uh, fortune of
1: rooting for two teams, and one of them is uh, kind of rolling right now. So how you doing, man? Yeah, uh, the Eagles are fun. However, uh, I for about seventy-five to eighty percent of the team uh, game, I watched the Chargers, um, <laughs> and that was a, an unfortunate experience. So uh, you, you had to get to watch the Justin Herbert, unfortunately, not cooking show, and defense doing whatever the defense was doing. Uh, great Kenneth Murray game, by the way. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just, just really fun. All around.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, not a, uh, great showing by the chargers defense today. We'll of course dive into some of that. Uh, this is the first time that Alex is drinking on the show. So, uh, shout out to the Chargers for making that happen. I think Tyler also drinking on the show. Uh, yeah, I'm an alcoholic now. So, uh, thanks a lot. Chargers. <laughs> Join us, Steven. <laughs> I, uh, well, I'm no, drinking some water. So, uh, that's, that's what I'll be doing today, but that's good. Uh, I had to, I, I texted Alex and Tyler. I had to go on a, on a walk after that, you know, cool off, and uh, still didn't work, so that's going to be fun. Um, all right, so we'll dive into this game as, as best as we can. Obviously, uh, this was an utter disaster from Brandon Staley and the Chargers. Uh, really just, you know, you have 10 days to prepare for this game. The Texans are arguably one of the worst teams in the league. They are also going through COVID. So uh, I know there's going to be a lot of justifying this week uh, because certain players were out in this game. And of course, you know, you don't have Joey Bosa, Michael Davis, Austin Eckler, Corey Lindsley, Derwin James, all those kind of players. And that definitely matters, but uh, no excuses for me this week. And that's kind of where I'm at. The Chargers, even with all of the COVID issues, we're still the more talented team. They had the better quarterback, they had the better mm-hmm. offensive line, they had the better receivers, but that's not what it looked like, man. This Chargers defense made the Texans offense look like the Bengals or someone else that's really good. You know, Davis Mills, credit to him, he played really, really well, but the this defense without the star players was just abysmal, and I kept on waiting <coughs> for someone, something to spark the defense and start playing better. And instead, you gave up 135 rushing yards to Rex Burkhead, who's made, like, four starts in the last three years, all of them coming on the Texans. Uh, and it wasn't until today that a Texans player passed Mark Ingram for most rushing yards on the team. So, uh, it's just an awful, awful day from the defense. And, you know, you had an important game for several players in this one. You know, and Nwosu has... You know he is up for a contract. He's been playing really, really well. I don't think he did a single positive thing today. Alex mentioned Kenneth Murray. I've been a big Kaiser Kaiser White fan, and he didn't really do anything much of today. Same with Nasir Adderley. So this defense left the Chargers in a terrible spot today, and I think deserves most of the blame.
3: Yeah, one hundred percent. I, you know, listen again. We're going to be talking about this game understanding fully that COVID did hit the Chargers, but it also hit the Texans. So whatever we say, understand that we understand that COVID hit both teams. And there are reasons the Chargers defense didn't look as good. But then again, can anybody name five players on the Texans offense? After Rex Burkhead, maybe the quarterback. Uh, Great Brevin Jordan breakout game. You know, I loved him coming out of the draft. And of course, he has a really, really great game against the Chargers. So great for that. It was so disappointing. I mean, they had the one opening drive that looked good. And then Jerry Tillery had that sack, and they had a, they did a really good job stopping that second drive. I thought, okay, you know, the Texans had a good you know game script to start the, the the game, whatever. And at this point, the defense will settle in, and eventually talent will win out because I'm willing to bet that the Chargers had more talent on that defense than the Texans did on offense. You at least have two first round picks in Murray and Tillery. You have two second round picks in Wosu and Adderley, some other combination guys. Linvald, Joseph, I think, was a second round pick, but that's been a while. And you know, the Texans. Tunsil, no, Tunsil's not even playing. Cooks was out. Collins was at a fifth-round pick. Burkhead, probably undrafted free agent. I mean, Rex Burkhead had 207 yards rushing coming into that game. He finished with 149 and two touchdowns. He almost met his season high. <laughs> and to me, look, do I think Staley could have done better this game? Absolutely. Was this defense completely undercoached, underprepared for this game? It seems like it. But man, like to me, it's, it's all up, not all about it just highlights the things that are wrong with the way Tom Telesco approaches off seasons sure. and the draft. You know, the, the Chargers have taken 61 players under Tom Telesco the past nine years, and they've only taken four true corners since that span. They finally took Samuel Ju- like a corner with Samuel Jr. It was the first corner they had taken in the first three rounds since 2015. Now, part of it, I understand because, you know, you see Davis playing well or Haywood was playing well. Where they thought Williams at the time at corner was playing really well, but just neglecting it and to see that drop off from the guys that they had to the guys that are out there today <laughs> is significant. And they've been ignoring that for so long, and it's it's bit them several times. Not just this game, all season it's been a problem. Many years it's been a problem. And they've also not drafted an interior defensive lineman over the past two years at all. And then the one they drafted, admittedly Tillery has been playing well, but you know they just aren't getting enough there and so you know this this team does look like a team that tried to focus more on offense this offseason whether it's free agency or the draft but just the, the, the neglect at all positions makes this drop off so significant but i don't know what it is about teams that have because in my opinion this is a good coaching staff there are good coaches who coach their players well and i've seen growth from many of the players on this team Yet when the defense or, you know, any part of this team loses some of their players, as most notable on defense, they don't kind of rise to the occasion. Most of the time, the Broncos missing a ton of their offensive line against the Chargers. They all rose to the occasion mm-hmm. and they went after the Chargers. You know, the Texans missing who everybody, they <laughs> all rose to the occasion. You know, so I don't understand what happens because I think the coaches are good. I think they're coached they're coaching these guys well. And guys just aren't rising to the occasion. I don't know what it is, but it's it's embarrassing. Um, this defense was awful. And yeah, it's it's arguably worse than giving the Browns their first win of the season. And because this team had something to play for, the Chargers had every reason to go out there and fight. They had 10 days to prepare for this team. And they got almost run out of the building by the Texans. It's embarrassing. It's one of the most embarrassing losses I can remember
1: Yeah, um, I I think the story for this game is is depth. Um, You know, we talk about both teams getting hit by COVID, uh, and the Chargers just don't have anyone that can play on their defense uh, other than Derwin James, Joey Bosa, and uh, 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 that's kind of it. I think that's everyone on the defense. Michael Davis was obviously out this game, tested positive with COVID, Um, But he hadn't honestly been playing well coming into this one. It's like, well, if you don't have those three guys at those three levels of your defense, then you're going to get you're going to get roasted. Uh, And that's what happened in this game. We got roasted by Rex Burkhead, who has a striking resemblance to porn star Johnny Sins. Um, But (laughs) I yeah, and he got 149 yards. Um, We got run on by Rex Burkhead like uh, Johnny Sins runs on porn stars. But anyway, uh, so, so here's the thing. They were just really bad. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is with the third down defense. Like, that has been bad all year, whether Derwin James has been on the field or not. So it's just, like, unsettling how bad it is at this point. You just know they're not going to get a stop on third down. Uh, Jerry Tillery was probably the best defensive player today. And that's a problem for a lot of reasons. But I don't know, man. I, I had hopes for this game. I predicted a 30-10 to 10 win. Uh, and yeah. they got they almost went 41-23, So, pretty bad on uh, my resume there. Uh, I think coaching is definitely partially to blame. This is like one of the worst daily games I've ever seen. Sure, you know if you're gonna pride yourself on defense and also give up seventy percent third down conversion or whatever it ended up being by the end of that game, um, pretty abysmal. But it's also just a talent problem. And Tyler talked about it with Telesco. Uh, they don't have uh, depth, and there's one person to blame for that. Uh, other than the COVID, um, it, it's Tom Telesco. They they just don't have the pieces to, uh, to really support the team uh, when guys are down. And uh, this has kind of always been a top-heavy team. I think that was the storyline coming into the season, but it really showed itself today. So I'm not surprised by any means uh, with kind of how this... Well, I am surprised by how the game went. But as the game went on, it was just like, well... Starting Kenneth Murray at linebacker and Drew Triangle's out, and he's playing. You know, we're doing that whole thing, and you know, the defense is getting run on again. Justin Jones is out, uh, and then you look at the secondary where Derwin James might have come in, in an emergency situation. Uh, didn't sound like he was going to come in unless anyone got hurt today, but uh, yeah, um. I think we saw that this is the Chargers kind of at their worst, um, at their best. They are a team that can play with any team in the league. We saw that with the Chiefs on Thursday night football, when Justin Herbert is balling and everyone's playing well, that's the team you get. Um, At the same time, when the coaching is not up to par, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, and they're forced to have some adversity in regards to depth, uh, then this is what you get with these kind. uh, this Chargers team in particular um and you know i know there's going to be a lot of rationalizing and talking about uh you know the the covid list but th- that's not an excuse the Texans had 40 guys on the covid list <laughs> but, you know they had about as many as we did and yeah. we've just seen several teams that played really well coming off the covid list uh the browns uh missed two quarterbacks and uh came <laughs> within two points of beating the Raiders at home uh you know, with a spirited effort, with 20 players out. Like, so to, to me, using the right. COVID excuse, especially when you're playing the Texans, I don't want to hear it. Um, so.
2: Now the COVID excuse, like if they were playing the chiefs and this were the situation, then sure. COVID is not an excuse for playing the Texans. And there's a lot of Joe Lombardi hate again, going on in the chat. I don't know what you guys are looking at with this game. This is all about the defense. In my opinion, Um, You know, you can look at some of the offensive mistakes that they had, sure, but they moved the ball on every single drive and scored points on every single drive except for the pick six. And so, you know, the offense had whatever they wanted. The Mm -hmm. offense moved the ball at will. It's the defense that (laughs) I don't know who Johnny Sins is, but uh, apparently you give up 150 yards to Johnny Sins. (laughs) Why would I lie about that? Um, You know, you have. This defense that can't stop anybody. And I understand the COVID issues. Of course, you're going to miss Joe, Joey Bosa. Of course, you're going to miss Derwin James. But Uchenna Mosa, we all said that like he, he's been coming into his own. I've been saying the same thing about Nasir Adderley, Kaiser White. Linvald Joseph is an established veteran who, at one point in the season, was the best defensive lineman on the team. You know, Kenneth Murray, I, I, I he was a first-round pick, I guess. Um, You know, you bring you bring back Asante Samuel Jr. You have Elohi Gilman. So this was the worst we've seen the defense play, and it was against the worst offense that we have seen them play. So to me, this is about the defense. This is about the lack of pride. Did anyone outside of Braden Fajoko show any kind of spirit or energy on this defense? Like, honestly, you know, this this effort today was just inexcusable. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to to me. Brandon said that this they had the best week of practice under his career this week leading up to this game and that is complete bullshit there's no way that you have this kind of great week of practice and then you put out this kind of effort so you know this isn't about execution to me this isn't about you know coaching this is about effort and taking ownership of what you are doing and someone stepping up you know football is a next man up mentality it's a next man up sport like Alex was saying you watch the Browns down two quarterbacks and they played their asses off against the Raiders. You know, you watch the Ravens who are down two quarterbacks in this game and they got smoked against the Bengals. But at least they played hard. At least they made an effort. You know, you mm-hmm. watch this ch- Chargers defense today and literally like Jerry, Chil- Jerry Tillery had one good play and he's the player of the game on defense. It's just despicable. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this to me is all about the defense and it's all about the lack of effort. And, you know, that's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to, I mean, kind of further on that point, uh, we sort of talked about Uchenna and Wosu coming into the game. Like, this is the first game he's going to play without Joey Bosa. You know, he has a chance to put up some mm-hmm. pressures, put up some sacks today, and maybe clinch that contract. Um, and it's a nothing burger, right? Um, so yeah. you saw that from a lot of guys on the defense today that had the opportunity to step up, uh, particularly against this Texans roster. And again, you never want to underestimate any pro roster. I mean, on any given Sunday and all that, but you know, like Kenneth Murray started on the edge and had a chance against bottom tier offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, we talked about that with Uchenna Wosu as well. Um, the defensive line had a chance to really clog up the run game, uh, against Rex Burkhead and a, a interior that has just been getting gashed for the Texans. Like that that's been a problem. Uh, for them and they just couldn't make any stops like so. Um, I think it's partially an effort thing, like Steven said, but right now mm-hmm. I like when when they're down guys, they they just don't have the talent. Um, I, I this is why the Chargers highest ceiling is, you know, a potential playoff Super Bowl team. And when they're down there, guys, and when they're, you know, <laughs> in this kind of environment, they just they just can't produce. Um, so. You know, if you're telling me going into the playoffs that they're going to have Joey Bosa and they're going to have Durbin James and all those guys, then, yeah, I give them a chance to beat any team in the league still. But this game is one of those that just proves that it's part of a function of the system, but they just like they just can't do it um, as currently constructed. They need more depth. They need, you know, a lot of offseason overhauling uh but, you know, uh, you had a lot of guys who I think you could argue lost a lot of money today with how they played and definitely yeah. the roster decisions going mm-hmm. forward.
3: Yeah, no, that's a good call. I mean, this is going to be, you know, a breakout game for so many people or a chance to stick around the, on the roster. Um, you know, even to some degree, Mike Williams missing it. Not that it's any fault of his own, but him missing it again, a game he could have made some money and he was out. <sighs> yeah. This, the, I don't know. I have no answers for what happened on defense. People are talking about the offense. I, th- okay, so if I want to start about criticisms of the offense, I would say that it feels like there are stretches where Keenan Allen disappears and he shouldn't be. Yeah. It feels like maybe they could call more screens. It feels like they were working really well with tempo kind of in the fourth quarter. Maybe that wasn't there the whole game. Maybe that would have worked better. Um, but. The offense scored on every series that they didn't turn the ball over. Like, I mean, they were kind of moving all right. And, you know, there's a holding call on Questenberry that stalls them, where they had the first down on like a second down carry and ended up forcing them back and they couldn't convert on third down after that. But, you know, they were scoring pretty much okay. And considering everything that was out the last couple, really the last three weeks, the offense has generally been about the same. The running game looks pretty solid for the most part. I think Herbert's been protected, you know, for the most part. I think Herbert's made good reads like the offense is generally clicking. okay. so blaming the offense for this one. And I know they scored 30 partially because of garbage time, but they did put up 30 or excuse me, 29, but they did put up 29 and they really could have had 30 if they just weren't going for it so frequently. I don't really blame the offense for this one. The defense just is a whole freaking mess right now. And. I got no faith in them moving forward. Uh, They're not going to, they're not this team. If they don't get any healthier and even if they are healthy, they're not winning against Denver next week. I'll be at that game. I'll cheer, but they're not winning. That's a much, much better team, a much, much better coach team with much more talent. They're not going to win. And I'd be surprised if they would. So yeah, this defense just, just, I don't understand what happens with the effort. You know, sometimes we see it, Post big wins where they have you know a huge win against this team, and the next team next game is a complete letdown. But I, I, what I don't know what happens to them. like you said for Hoko, yeah, I think Samuel Junior early on had a pass breakup or whatever. He showed some emotion. Otherwise, guys just kind of showed up today. And yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I would hope, and I'm assuming that the that Staley doing that whole home alone game plan thing, you know, kind of being haha and joking about the whole thing. You know, I'm assuming that wasn't their approach to this week entirely. And that was just one, you know, kind no. of funny moment. But it felt like like that to me feels like how they took this week where it's like, aha, you know, let's talk about home alone and haha, throwing a brick at Joe Pesci and stuff like that. And it's like they didn't take the game seriously. Like, well, you know, we'll hold Darren James out because we're, we're probably going to win this game and, you know, we can we can get to next week. No problem. And they, I mean, they should have. I don't blame them for feeling that way but it just felt like they just took a, eh, you know, we'll win attitude and the Texans just wanted it more. And that's a huge problem.
2: No, I I don't think that they took them lightly or, you know, focused in on, you know, the home alone stuff. I think that was just, you know, some Christmas fun, you know, at least I hope that's what it is. But um, I, I can't imagine that Brandon State would go out there and say, yeah, this was the best practice, best week of practice we've ever had here. And then also realize like, Hey, like this was a shitty week of practice so i don't know like it was just it was a slow start to the game there was no juice in the stadium like right after the field goal drive it was just like there was no energy on the sideline there was no Mm -hmm. you know it, it was just empty like there was nothing like going on and i just kept on waiting for somebody something to spark this team and whether that was justin jackson's touchdown or Jerry Tillery sack like it just nothing like got the team going and I don't know why that is I don't know why you have certain NFL teams will not show up I mean we saw the same thing with the Cardinals against the Lions and you know granted the Cardinals are still in the playoff picture and probably will still make the playoffs but you know for whatever reason this team just shut up and and was going through the motions and I wish I knew why that was but um, you know, in terms of like evaluating players like this, this is definitely going to leave a sour taste in my mouth when you're talking about Uchenna and Mosu. talking about Mike Williams. I know he didn't play, uh, for obvious reasons, but you know, this is, it's just going to leave a sour taste in my mouth all off season. When I have to look back at this game against the Texans, where you control your own destiny. All you have to do is go three, and oh against in some winnable situations. And not only are you in the playoffs, you're probably the, the five or the six seed probably feeling good about yourself and instead you come out against the Texans and you just don't show up and whether that was they were too busy with Christmas I don't really know but this is just inexcusable and maybe this doesn't happen when you have more of a veteran coaching staff I don't really know the answer to that question but this is going to be a loss that we talk about or at least think about all offseason long, you know, when we're talking about evaluating these, players, talking about who we want to come and how much we want to pay them. Because if they don't make the playoffs, I think we're going to be feeling very differently about this team and about all these players. And, um, you know, I'm not into the draft special yet. I'm not there talking about the draft. I'm, I'm not going to study draft prospects until the season is over because the Chargers are still in the playoff hunt. But this was a disaster for the Chargers. And, and I completely agree with Tyler. This is worse than losing to the own 14 Browns because you have so much to look forward to if you beat the Texans and take care of your business and they just didn't.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's also it's also about consistency. Um, we talked about like how sometimes the Chargers just don't show up. Like their longest win streak of the season is three. And it was when they were four and one coming off of the Browns yeah. win. Um, other than that, they haven't strung together, uh, three games, uh, the entire season, right? I mean, they get the Bengals and Giants, which is like, great, um, lose to the Chiefs, unfortunately, you know, close one, but they just, from week to week, you don't know which team is going to show up. It could be the team that shows up against, uh, you know, if you just kind of want to list the games, it could be the team that shows up against the Browns, uh, and the Eagles and the Steelers, uh, and you know, the Bengals and the Giants. Or it could be the team that showed up against the Patriots and the Vikings and the Broncos and the Chiefs and the Texans, right? Like, that's just who the Chargers have been um, for a lot of the season, unfortunately. And you added to this, it's holiday week, it's a COVID week, um, and all the other factors that kind of, you know, just really slowed up the Chargers in this game. So, to me, right, they're, they're a very high volatility team. Um, and so that's sort of been the point this year. Um, I, I think that we've always kind of looked at next year as the all in year. Um, But I need to see more from this season still, if we're really going to consider next year, the all in year, um, because right now I'm still not seeing it from this team. Um Like you, you just have to win against the Texans. If you want to be taken seriously as a contender uh, or even seriously as a team that maybe can pull off a wild card upset. Um So like to me, this is kind of the story of the Chargers 2021, other than the other positive and negative things we talk about. Um, and so I don't, I don't, I don't know what the season holds going forward. Mathematically, they very well could still make the playoffs. You can beat the Broncos. Um, you could beat the Raiders. Like, I don't think those teams have been super impressive. Um, like Tyler said, uh, right now I would predict Broncos' loss, if we're being honest uh, with the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers would lose that game but I could also see the chargers winning by 20 because they're the chargers and they'll get guys back from COVID and you could theoretically talk yourself into it. Um, The the potential is there, but the the effort, the consistency, both in coaching and execution, the players that are on the field just hasn't been there all year.
3: This loss just changes everything I thought about this coaching staff. I thought that they were above a loss like this, especially after they just destroyed the giants with right. some players missing, you know they weren't exactly a healthy team going into that game, and they just blew out the the, the Giants. So I figured, okay, you know, yeah, there's a lot of issues this week with COVID, but I figured they were talented enough to make that work. And it just changes everything. I thought I never thought this coaching staff, even with these issues, would have another Browns, you know, twenty sixteen or whatever the hell that year was, type loss. I never thought that this team would be like that, especially after look they were kind of depleted last week against the Chiefs on a short week, and they showed it. Like guys. Showed up in that game and they held out as long as they could, and then some of their obvious weaknesses let them down in the end, like you know, Trey Marshall and some DB depth. But guys showed up at least. Man, I just thought this stuff was above a loss like this. And now Mm -hmm. it's weird because if they sneak into the postseason, whoever they play, assuming that you know, most of their key starters are healthy, I might pick them to win because (laughs) some, for whatever reason, against those teams is like they will rise to that occasion. Yeah. I always thought that their floor would be so much higher than usual because this coaching staff would always have them ready to at least come out with a win against these lesser teams. And they didn't. It just, it really sours everything. I mean, I wasn't sure Justin Herbert was winning MVP before. He's definitely not winning it now. Steely, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if they'd beaten the chiefs, could have coach of the year. He's definitely not winning that now. So yeah, it just really ruins the season. I mean, we were just, everyone is taking off towards the playoffs. We were talking playoffs ready for it and now they might not get there and it it almost feels like a wasted season at this point we've gone from beating it could contend with anybody in the playoffs even the chiefs who are the best team in the afc to are we gonna make it and probably not i can't believe we're saying that today
1: yeah um i I gotta say 52 (laughs) guys didn't show up today Credit to Dustin Hopkins though, buddy, you made that 50 yard <laughs> field goal. It's the first 50 yard field goal I've seen for a chargers kicker in like 80 years. Uh, so congrats to Dustin. You did better than Justin today. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. You know, Dustin was kicking well, man. And, and, you know, I guess he's one of the positives. I think he is a kicker that I trust at this point for the most part. Um, you know, I had to laugh the other, yesterday when, uh, Michael Badgley missed, like, a 51-yard field goal by, like, three feet, like, wasn't even close to to hitting, um, but, you know, outside of the fumble, Justin Jackson was the best player on the team, you know, Justin Jackson mm-hmm. is actually one of the players that I feel good about, like, bringing back next season, if if only we could just keep him healthy, like, I'm definitely not opposed to, you know, adding another running back into the into the rotation to bring in some competition, but, you know, Justin Jackson was the best player on the team, mm-hmm. and, You know, there's going to be a lot of criticism for Lombardi. There has been in this chat, but I thought that they called this game like a team that knew that they could run the ball, that knew that they didn't really have a full repertoire of pass catchers, and a team that knew that the defense was going to be in a bad spot. So, you know, once the time of possession Mm -hmm. gets, the difference in time of possession gets so drastic like it was in the third quarter, you have to be able to keep your defense off the field at some point and so you do that by running the ball and, and keeping the defense on the field with Justin Jackson. So I thought Jackson played really well. Uh, it, it looked like Josh Palmer was headed towards a good day and then kind of disappeared in the second half. And Keenan Allen you know, was not super active in this one for whatever reason. Um, I can understand the frustrations, but also like you call the deep passes today and Justin Herbert makes an awful throw to Josh Palmer. And, you know, you have a, a miscommunication with Jared Cook, which leads to, you know, a pick six. So I was okay with the game plan today on the offensive side of things. Like I said, again, you know, Justin Jackson ran hard. They blocked really well. Um, You know, it just, you don't turn the ball over and you score 35 points in this game relatively easily. Um, But you have a bad pick at the end of the first half. And then you have the pick six. And then you have a weird fumble by Justin Jackson. So, Um, you know, don't turn the ball over and you probably win this game. And even if the defense is playing that shitty. And so that's really kind of where I'm at with the offense today. Yeah. I mean, the, the offense could have had, I
3: don't remember how I think Eckler had one fumble against the Browns, but otherwise they had a really clean game that game and they just won a boat race 47 to 42. That's exactly how this game could have gone. But yeah, you're right. They just, Ugh, Justin Jackson, man, 162 yards. You know, I said that he had, he'd have more rushing yards than Eckler did this season in any game. He didn't, but 162 total yards and two touchdowns. I don't know why the fan, some of the fan base was so upset about them handing the ball off to Jackson with 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter, down two scores. Like, I know you want to put the ball in Herbert's hands, but it's not like they were really taking it out of his hands. They just handed it to him once on the drive. And again, you know, he averaged what? See, 19 carries for 162 yards. I mean, the guy's given eight eight yards a, a touch at this point. Yeah. I don't understand the criticism there, so, but good for him. If they don't have to draft a running back in the middle rounds or whatever late rounds again, like a Roundtree, like a Kelly, and they can just keep Jackson, great. I'd like them for them to find one more person that could really catch the ball, but otherwise, you know, good for him. O- honestly, like this could have been terrible. I will credit the offense for getting the run game, or at least the running backs going pretty well the last few weeks they could really could have folded with you know x player out or even Eckler out or hurt but the run game has been going and that's like a really strong thing that they can carry into the postseason and they're not gonna make it like everything seems on offense to be working okay as long as guys are there and man they just they're not even gonna make it at this point it's it's so awful my heart my heart is broken today man
1: yeah um justin jackson played a good game uh i think that that's i mean he sort of solidified himself the last couple of weeks uh, i know a lot of people were talking about what we i mean we were talking every week about what the rb2 situation was and the fact that they don't have an rb2 um so they have justin jackson as a guy that i think can carry a decent chunk of the offense now um so th- i mean that is a good thing to see going forward i don't know whether he'll be on the team next year potentially someone could sign him and maybe they'll promote Tree or someone else or they'll resign jackson who knows Um, but yeah, it's about the only good thing I can think of today. Uh, we're doing, I don't know if we even want to do studs and duds, but Justin Jackson would probably be a stud even with the fumble and yeah, everyone else is probably looking at the dud column, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I I thought the offense looked okay for most of the game. Um, unfortunately, you have the pivotal, I mean, the turnovers and the pivotal moments that just killed him. Um, I mean, the fumble with Justin Jackson down nine. And then, of course, the Herbert picked a Palmer, which was just kind of unnecessary. And, well, the game was kind of already over when Herbert tossed the pick six. I mean, really. Sure. Um, so, you know, I don't really look at that as like a decisive one. But uh, we talked about Chargers as a team that kind of wins on turnover differential. And they lost on turnover differential today, right? Like you, you beat the Chiefs uh, in that uh, September game with four turnovers you forced against them. Uh I don't I don't know what the turnover differential was today. I would assume it was 3-0 it was in 3-0. favor of Texans, yeah. Um and that that is about how the game played out unfortunately. So um I, I just see people in this chat writing stuff like uh let me let me find it where someone was like if the Chargers went out and Baltimore loses one of their last two games, then the Chargers would be the 7 seed and be playing Tennessee. Guys, I'm going to real talk here. We just lost the Texans. No more comments about playoff picture. You have to there's a forty-eight hour period where we do not discuss playoff picture after we just got <laughs> toasted by Davis Mills. Okay. At least None twenty-four hours. At least 24, <laughs> At least twenty-four hours before we talk about NFL playoff picture. Um, so like yeah, I mean the Chargers are just a, a you know, high volatility football team, like I've said on the show. And we saw the very, very low end of that today, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. No, this is it's just
2: Like I said earlier, you know, you head into today controlling your own destiny and now you you don't like you you're on the outside looking in like that's that's the reality of the Chargers right now. Um, They will need some help to make the playoffs and they, you know, at this point, I don't want to say they don't deserve it. I don't want to say losing to the Texans automatically disqualifies them, but this is just a it's. This is the worst loss of my life as a Chargers fan. Like I, I can honestly say that. Like, it, given the fact, like, because there have been other times where you lose to a bad team, right? Like, you know, you lose to the zero fourteen Browns and stuff like that. Like, that's that's all bad. But this team, like, we were all drinking the Kool Aid, right? Like, you get six Pro Bowlers, you know, uh, you know, you have Justin Herbert who's a legitimate MVP candidate. You are looking at this stretch as a three and and0 stretch, and then see what happens in the playoffs. And maybe given a matchup, you could potentially win a game, maybe two, you get a rematch with the chiefs. Like we were all saying that after last Thursday, we want the chiefs again. We want the chiefs again. And then today against, you know, the third or fourth worst team in the league, you just completely lay an egg. So maybe it is being dramatic. I don't really know, but right now, I don't really want to talk about the playoffs. I don't think the chargers are there right now. And this is this is the worst loss of my life, given the fact that the expectations for this team were so high. I was expecting this team to win a playoff game. I was expecting this team to potentially make a run at an AFC Championship game, given you know potentially matchups. And so now you're on the outside looking in because you lose to the Texans, like the Texans of all teams. Like, if they'd be in the Texans and lose to the Broncos next week, I'd have been like, okay, at least the Broncos are good. But you lose to the Texans when you're on the verge of the playoffs? Like, this is just... This is a bad loss for the Chargers.
1: Yeah, like, uh, you know, I I want to say, like, the Chargers at times can be a team that looks like they deserve to go to the playoffs. We saw that last Thursday sure, night, sure. right? Absolutely. Like, they, they look like that team. Um, but playoff teams don't lose these games, right? <laughs> Just flat out. I know people are going to yeah. say, oh, the Titans lost to the Texans, whatever. Titans are also in control of their own division um, and in control of their own destiny, and they're coming off of a win uh, against the Niners. So, to me, you know, you can, like, split hairs here and say that there's not a lot of difference between say what the chargers are doing and what all the other 10, eight and seven teams in the AFC are doing. Um, but you know, like everyone else kind of has beat up on the Texans, right? I mean, other than the Jacks uh, and urban Meyer <laughs> and you, you, don't great have to company lose. to be in. <laughs> yeah. Not great company to be in. I make fun of urban Meyer, but we just lost a team that urban Meyer got cooked by. Um, So like, it it, yeah, I mean, as as Craig says in the chat, they're very Jekyll and Hyde kind of team. Um, And to me, the Chargers might make the playoffs. I could see them winning a playoff game. But right now, uh, as we sit here today um, and as we sat here after the Vikings game and as we sat here after the Patriots game, I just don't feel like the quality of football I saw today was uh, a team that deserves to be in the playoffs.
3: Yeah, and I hate that we're giving the Raiders hope who are now up 7-0 and not only giving them hope, but that last game of the season now probably matters. I mean it does to the Chargers for sure and it, it likely yeah. will for the Raiders as well. That's no longer like a, eh, you know, we can probably win this, but it's okay, we'll still be a sixth seed or whatever. The Chargers have to win in Vegas. And this team, this Raiders team is up 7-0 on the Broncos team. The Chargers might lose to next week. That Raiders team is awful, but they're fighting. And they're ahead of the Broncos right now, and the Chargers have to go to their stadium to try to win. And who knows who's playing for the Chargers? And do we think we can win based on the performance today? Now, I think they can win with the guys that come back. Jesus, man, that we're just really going to come down to that game. And Steve and I are going to be there. Oh, God, please hope they win that game.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's going to be, you know, that it's going to be an elimination game. Excuse me. I swear I'm, like, at the tail end of this thing. I swear I am. Um, but, you know, this is just – man, it just is so frustrating, you know, looking at this team and where they were at. And, and and like Tyler said earlier, you know, you you have a Jekyll and Hyde team for sure. You have inconsistencies. You know, I, I feel like I've done a good job this year of, of, like, you know, weighing the big picture and, like, this isn't the all-in year. This isn't the year that matters the most. This isn't, you know, Super Bowl or bust kind of season. And, you know, you, ex- but you still expect this team and this coaching staff to, you know, come into this game and, and beat the Texans by a good margin. And, you know, we've uh, Craig's asking, you know, who's going to broach the personnel decision topic. I feel like we've talked about that a lot. You know, Brandon Staley is essentially signing anybody that used to be a Bronco into the secondary <laughs> and it's not working. You know, yeah. Trey Marshall, Taylon Campbell, they were all on the COVID list today. And so you have Devontae Harris, who was mostly a special teams player for the Broncos and the Ravens, and he made Nico Collins and Chris Conley look like they were Jamar Chase and and Justin Jefferson. Like, it was bad. And, you know, it's tough to rely on, like, your eighth corner to be a good player, and I get Mm -hmm. that. But you look at somebody like a Brandon Faison, who they are familiar with, who's now playing pretty well for the Raiders. Or you have John Brannon, who I don't know where he's at right now, but you you have these players that you're familiar with that aren't just exclusively playing for the Broncos. And, like, you can sign other players, Brandon. You don't have to go, oh, this guy played yeah. for me with Denver? Okay, he's our he's our guy. So, I don't know. I just thought the coaching staff was above this, especially after last week. Like, you put in Trey Pippins yeah. in place mm-hmm, of Rashawn exactly. Slater, Yep. And your offense barely misses a beat. Like, your mm-hmm. offense should have put up 50 points on the Chiefs last week. And then to come out against the Texans and play like this, I, I just thought this team and this coaching staff was above this kind of a, a, this kind of game and this kind of loss.
1: Congrats to Chris Harris. No longer the worst Harris on the defense. <laughs> Are we sure about that, though? Because
2: he wasn't exactly good today either.
1: Uh, Devontae was pretty bad today, man. <laughs> I mean, he could have been fined a bunch of times and wasn't, weirdly. Uh, and all the coverage. I mean, Chris Harris was bad, too. But Devontae Harris was... Uh, that that was something special. He's like he's like the Devontae Adams, except being terrible. Like he's he's really good at being terrible. That's what I felt like of watching Devontae Harris today. He was just a disaster class.
3: Yeah, that was neat. Uh hope Michael Davis is feeling okay. I know he just he got tested positive for COVID right before the game. I think Craig said something like, Hey, we're not out of the woods yet. There could be one more test before yeah. the game. Uh so it's Craig's fault.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> And, and that's so weird to me too, with like the COVID test stuff. Like, I mean, how is Michael Davis like not coming up for warmups because they just told him he had COVID and I mean, yeah. he probably traveled there and was around players, I mean, for the duration of the morning. So, I mean, it's just another episode of like the NFL just doing this stuff by the whim. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I definitely thought the personnel decisions were just weird today in terms of the guys they decided to play. At the same time, they didn't really have much of a choice, um, you know, in terms of what they were left with on the roster. And I think, like we said earlier in the show, that sort of falls on Tom Telesco um, and and not, you know, building out the depth on this roster to a team that can put some backup defensive tackles or backup linebackers, backup cornerbacks and safeties in uh, and still have a modicum of success.
3: Yeah. Speaking of personnel decisions, what did you think of them? activating three receivers off the practice squad and not KJ Hill at all?
1: Uh, I mean, we saw the difference between having more one-on-one on on the boundary versus having Mike Williams. Uh, I mean, we we saw that today a little bit, but uh, I'm not surprised they activated three receivers, I guess. I mean, at the same... Michael Bandy was there returning kicks. Uh, He didn't look too great, but, I mean, it is what it is.
3: Les Grossman, I will bench 225 tomorrow and show you that I can do that. By the way, just
2: yeah. FYI, I Stephen definitely can. I'll do it. Fuck it. I mean, that's just hilarious. Like, why are you watching our show if you're going to come here and talk shit about our physiques? Like,
1: cool, <laughs> good for you. Yeah. I guess. Like, I, I I come on this show knowing full well that Kenneth Murray could beat the shit out of me. Like, I <laughs> I, I know that, I know that very well. That that's not the point of this show. <laughs> Les Grossman, do you have a Twitter? I'll do it. I swear to God, I'll do it tomorrow. All right, Long guys. You, you're, doing, you're doing the thing where you read the chat from nobody's. Can we get back to the Chargers, please? <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> Listen,
2: whatever. No, but the personnel for the receivers, I thought, like, they didn't really have a – I mean, I guess they had a choice. Like that. I mean, I guess this signifies that they don't really, you know, trust K.J. Hill. And, and having Jason Moore over him, I 100% get. You know, you want that – you know, vertical threat. You want that bigger body in there. I get that, but Michael Bandy over KJ Hill. That's an odd one. I think Maurice French played like five or six snaps on offense and he was the first one to return the kick and like, he's the faster guy. I would have expected him to be like the returner, um, but it, it was odd. And I think that's partially why they kind of leaned into the running game again, but mm-hmm. you know, you, you, like who do you have else and so i don't know it just is it was a it was a rough day i want to i want to talk really quickly about the fourth down decisions too before we kind of you know wrap this up because you know last week obviously staley was hyper aggressive mm-hmm. today he was not that situation again you have they were long they would have been longer fourth downs you know you have a fourth and 7 you have a fourth and 5 um i forget what the third field goal was i want to say like it would have been like fourth and 4 and f- fourth and three ish mm-hmm. um but it was just interesting that Staley didn't even attempt one of the fourth downs like he went right. full tilt the other way into the field goal game and taking the points and you know Daniel Jeremiah was on the rich Eisen show and was saying you know that when he when he was like looking back at the Vikings game he felt like them not being aggressive was a detriment to their team and so I wonder if that is also true today. What did you guys make of those decisions to uh, kick field goals instead of go for the fourth downs?
1: I, I kind of thought that when it was 17 12 in that fourth and four you mentioned that was the one to me where I felt like they should have gone for it because it's like you're down right. five and it's like well if you turn over the ball I, I don't know if the Texans got points after that drive. Uh, I don't I think they might have actually not um but it felt like well if you go down two possessions here like that that gets pretty hairy um as far as the ones in the first quarter and the or the first half when they kicked field goals and were down seven six. I was okay with those, um, to be honest. And, I mean, I feel like that whole narrative, like, you know, that Staley was a computer boy who just looks at the analytics and then decides what he's going to do, like, that kind of got dispelled today. Like, I mean, he took two field goals when some would argue that he could have taken a touchdown or could have gone for it. Um, I I, I was fine with the calls today, uh, to be honest. Other than the one that they were down 17-12. At the same time, they put themselves in a position in that game where they're down 17-15. Um, and it's like, well, the defense gets one stop. We're back in this, and then right. the defense proceeded to not get any stops. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I think you can make an argument that maybe they should have been more aggressive late. But with how the defense was playing, it wouldn't have mattered um, if they were more aggressive late because they just they couldn't get a stop.
3: Yeah, if anyone says it's like, oh, it's an overreaction or overcorrection from when they played the Chiefs. I mean, t- yes, it is a different, it's very different, obviously. Than when they the <laughs>
1: Here's the overcorrection. They were playing the Texans. Chiefs in primetime. Yes, exactly. And they, they were playing the Texans today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. The difference.
3: No, did anyone believe that the Texans were going to go score, 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 score at will in this game? No. And especially after that second series where they stopped them, it's like, okay, our defense is more talented than their offense. We can make this work. And Staley should know his defense and figures, hey, we'll get a stop at some point, right? They just didn't, you know, the same way that you go for it against the chiefs multiple times on fourth down yet. You kind of can trust your defense to at some point get a stop on, you know, on on any third down of this game. And they didn't, they could have converted at any fourth down of the chiefs game. They didn't. And the the defense in this game could have had a number of stops and they didn't. So Staley betting on his defense this week makes sense. And it completely didn't work, but (laughs) <laughs> no, I I understand for the most part all the decisions. I don't think it was an overcorrection because they didn't make it last week. It's just because of the team that they were playing.
2: No, I agree with Alex what he was saying. You know, you have the first two and you kick the field goals. I totally understand that. I was definitely surprised that when it was 17 to 12 that they did not go for it on fourth down, especially, you know, you have the four it was it was definitely not like a short fourth down, but it's fourth and four is manageable for this team. But um, you know. <laughs> I'm interested, actually, I'm not that interested, but it's going to be funny to see the discourse on, if any, on Brandon Staley's decisions this week when everybody in the media was kind of crucifying him for going for it for
1: so much on the fourth downs, and then this week, you know, he doesn't. Uh, Here's the difference between. Uh, th- this situation no one watched that game today uh, <laughs> and everyone in america watched the chargers Chiefs game. so i think that'll true. be the difference on the discourse on twitter true
2: if we're lucky the media won't talk about the chargers at all this week
1: that's the saving grace today is that <laughs> i think no one watched that game because i saw like because usually if the chargers lose my friends just like roast me and they're like oh hey, what happened buddy uh so <laughs> you know if the chargers no one watching a Chargers loss, maybe it just didn't happen. And so I think that's the one saving grace of Chargers Texas is that no one watched that game. Yeah. So,
2: uh, media members stay away. Don't talk about us this week. I, uh, I, I can tell everybody right now, I uh, will not be watching the film back from this game. I uh, will not be torching myself <laughs> this week for that. Um, you know, I, I Tyler and I have been charting stuff and and trying to like, you know, compare with PFF certain things and and data and stuff like that. So, uh I missed the first I didn't chart the first couple of games. So, that's what I'm going to do instead of watching uh this garbage back this week.
1: I'm go you back know what? And watch I, the- yeah, I you think- got to go watch them lose to the Cowboys. <laughs> I think, I think this is the week I'll watch film. I think this is the week that I will do a YouTube film breakdown on the chart of Boston, Texas, just because Steven and Tyler don't want to do it. And maybe I'll bring a couple beverages with me along the way. <laughs> yeah. So I uh,
2: I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. I don't really have any. Do we want things, to do a Q&A? Any <laughs> Well, we talked about Justin Jackson and Dustin Hopkins already. That's about it for me. That's pretty much it, huh? Uh, Braden um,
3: Fahoka was blocking on kickoff oh, return. That yeah. was something. And he knocked the guy mention- down the field, I, man.
2: I didn't even notice that he was blocking on kickoff. Also,
3: return. I see this guy. I'm like, that's a huge dude blocking out in front. <laughs> it's Fahoka running at the 40, knocking guys down field. <laughs> Like, what? Look this team, man. That was the, entertaining. The one thing
2: that was funny, too, is he had that one run stop in like the end of the first quarter and his entire sleeve was, like, ripped off. Like, this, like, Braden Vahoko, like, shout out to him, because he put it all on the line today, and he was the only one on defense.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking at the box score to see if I can, like, find anything that's, like, relatively positive. M. Um, A. Uh Okay today. Yeah. He did okay? <laughs> yeah, he was fine. <laughs> Oh, one of, one of Tyler's best friends Emeka Egboleye a uh, friend of the Sherman family had a great game today <laughs> but uh no, in all I...
2: seriousness if Joey Bosa and Chris Rump are out again next week do not play oh god Kenneth murray more snaps than emeka egboleye oh. because <laughs> at least emeka egboleye is like showing signs of like being an actual edge rusher and if murray can't get it done against the texans and you know their third string tackles, like I, yeah, I said, I, I have been against that experiment from day one. He struggled to shed blockers with space in between him and the blockers. Now he's at the point of attack and he's getting destroyed. So now you have Tillery who is improving, but he still is a liability against the run. Mm-hmm. And then you place another liability against the run next to him. So you have a player like Cole Toner, who uh, this regime uh, decided was not good enough to be brought back on the Chargers, just destroying the left side of the defensive line. So uh, I am completely out on Kenneth Murray as an edge rusher. I want them Mm -hmm. to move him back to linebacker and just kind of deal with the growing pains. Uh, But as an edge rusher, I'm out.
1: Yeah, I, I I sort of came into this week and I think there was a lot of discussion about Kenneth Murray about if the Chargers should trade him in the offseason, season um, and what you could potentially get back for him. And I was like, well, I mean, you probably are only going to get a, like a sixth or seventh round pick back for him. If you trade him, like he's got two years left in a rookie deal and any GM can just go, well, I'm going to take a four year contract linebacker in the draft. Like that's the economics of the whole Kenneth Murray situation. If you were going to trade him N- now, I'm like, a 6th or 7th round pick. I mean, that would be kind of <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we could have, have five, five six round picks. <laughs> two, then we could have five happens, of them, Unfortunately. Um, he was just bad today. Like, I mean, the, the, the edge rusher thing doesn't work. Um the, the linebacker thing doesn't work. I I I would like to see him back at linebacker to at least see if uh you can try to kind of get something out of it because I do still think at his core, like that's probably what he would do best. Um I was, yeah, I think all of us were on kind of record that we were never big fans of the edge rusher experiment from day one. Um But yeah, no, I mean, uh, this is like, I mean, pretty bad. Like he, he just doesn't work in this defense um as it currently stands. I think that's, Equally as much a Kenneth Murray problem as much as it is uh, a defensive coordinator and you know, yes. defense problem. Like, I, mm-hmm. I do think Brandon Staley should be getting more out of Kenneth Murray than he currently yeah. is. Um, yeah. I, I think that that's something that we have to talk about. And also, someone told me to stop laughing and you know, stop drinking. That's how I'm coping. Um, uh, I, I just want to <laughs> be clear that that's that's how I cope with this stuff. Um, because that was just disastrous, but um, no, I, I, I think Murray. It's probably on the outside looking in in terms of the offseason. I I don't know if they have much of a choice but to try to get out of that contract by a trade or something, or you leave him on the bottom of the roster and, and and like try to kind of rebuild his value. But um, it's it's looking pretty terrible.
3: Yeah, I wanted to find some sort of positive, and I did a poll like, "Hey guys, what do you think his stat line is going to be this game? Is he going to have you know one to two pressures, two three pre- yeah three to four pressures, whatever?" And hundreds of people voted, you know, three to four pressures or five more than five pressures. (laughs) I really don't think he had won this game. And he has two assisted tackles on ESPN right now. No solo tackles. It's bad. It's it's as bad as I can remember a player looking like at least with, say, Jerry Tillery on his worst days. You can say that there was a player, too, that he had that he made that was pretty good. Right. Maybe one sack. And then and then then he's bad the rest of the game. Kenneth Murray, it's all bad. He can't do anything when it's the run game. He's getting washed out of that play one on one versus the tackle to the point where the difference between the hole that the, the running back can run through looks like five yards because they're just taking Murray and going, OK, go over there, please. And then when he rushes and we pointed out so many times, he only rushes kind of one way. And that's all he's got. Yeah. And it's I, you do have to blame the coaching staff a little bit, a for whatever they convinced themselves that they thought he was like oh yeah he was an edge linebacker hybrid the whole time you taught him zero edge rusher moves as a pass rusher there's nothing there bull rush maybe but that's not really come on that's not a pass rush move everybody can do that there's no moves there's no counters there's nothing there's no bend there's there's nothing there that looks like a player who has ever played edge or can play edge or has been taught anything about how to play edge There's nothing there. It looks like Hamilcar Rashid almost, like watching him in the draft or something. (laughs) High athlete kind of guy. Some
2: people are going to hate that comment.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, screw it. Like, what's the difference? The guy had two. It looks bad. Like, if Murray did that in college, what grade would you have given him? Like, he would have been an upside guy. He would have been the upside guy that you take on day three because he has tons of athletic talent and he's a good guy and he's a four year starter at Oklahoma or whatever. If that were his tape as an edge rusher, like I'd take Quincy Roche over him maybe because at least Quincy yeah. Roche had some bend to him and is really, playing well. And he's playing well, of course. It's it's bad. So it, he's not playing well, but also the coaching staff just set him up to fail, I think. And yes. Because they they didn't treat him like an actual edge. They didn't really give him many edge snaps at all. And, and like Joey Bose is on the sideline the up, going, "Okay, uh try this." Are the coaches get telling him anything cuz I mean, there's yeah. no way there's no way that they're coaching him to just go around the guy every time, but it's not even around. It's just like 10 yards upfield and then like a curl back towards the quarterback or something. As much as I want to you know, say that he's kind of a bust at this point, the coaches are doing no favors at that spot. So yeah. I would rather, you know, hopefully Rumpf comes back. Obviously, Bosa, these guys come back. And you can put some real edges out there, but I'd rather him be a situational blitzer. You know, they rotate Ogbonna Miga in, granted because Tranquil yeah. was hurt. Let him blitz through the A gap, maybe drop into zone, and you know, occasionally if they run a trick play and it's like a, a sweet, a, you know, jet sweep or whatever, you know, Murray can chase that down or something. But at edge, it's just it's actually pointless. It's pointless. He has more missed tackles coming into this game than tackles at edge. And I'm positive that's gonna hold after this game where he played 60 or whatever snaps.
1: Let's so play bad. let's let's play a game called how many tackles does Kenneth Murray have on the season? Um I will currently let, or I, at I, edge? Uh currently for the season. For the whole season? Yeah. What is what he missed? He missed what five games? Mm-hmm. No, 18? no, no. 18? Oh, he's actually a twenty four um he's 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 kind of balling out at 24 compared to the 18 you predicted um but yeah like that was just one of those things where i'm looking at it and i'm like imagine going back a year ago and telling someone that kenneth murray would have 24 tackles after he had 107 uh in a gus bradley green dot defense where he also had five tackles for loss um yeah. It's It's been rough, and I definitely think a lot of it falls on Kenneth Murray, the player, for his lack of development. Um, but there's some real questions to be asked about who exactly the, the defense uh, defensive coaching staff is maximizing um, on this defense. Because right now, I don't really know if the answer is anyone.
2: Yeah, I... I feel bad for Kenneth Murray, you know, too. he definitely hasn't played up to the standard that we all thought we had for him heading into the season, but switching him positions, like full-time switching him positions mid season was never going to be the answer in terms of maximizing his athleticism. And if they had said, you know, we're going to give him, you know, 10, 15 rotational snaps at linebacker because he's been beaten out like, sure. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, five to ten snaps at edge and as a way to, like, you know, give him a different look and see what we have there. I would have understood that. Mm -hmm. But to flat out say he's going to be an edge rusher 100% of the time, that to me was a mistake. And I think it's one of Brandon Staley's biggest mistakes, if not the biggest mistake in terms of personnel of the year. And, you know, now you're looking forward to kind of like the future for Kenneth Murray and what does it hold. Well, I think everybody agrees that the Chargers need to find an upgrade at edge rusher, whether that's an upgrade over Unwosu or an upgrade over Rumpf slash Fackrell or Murray. Like, Mm -hmm. they need more pass rush help. And so if he's an edge rusher, next year he is at best the fourth edge rusher on the depth chart. Mm -hmm. If he's a linebacker, he is the third linebacker behind Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil again, because I'm very confident that Kaiser White is coming back and Drew Tranquil will be on his uh last year of his rookie deal. So I feel bad for Kenneth Murray. I never thought that switching him full time to edge was the solution of getting more out of him. And now the Chargers have no choice. They either have to ride this out and, you know, see what they have there or switch him back to linebacker and then you're kind of just you're just messing with his head at that point. You know, he's not going to have any confidence heading into next season because he doesn't know if he's an edge rusher or a linebacker or what. Mm. So again, I would have understood using him like a versatile chess piece, you know, mm-hmm. but this what they're doing now, I never understood this argument. I was firmly against using him as an edge rusher full time. And some of it is him, you know, he's doing the same exact like just I'm not even going to try to turn this corner. I'm just going to run right past True. the quarterback and do nothing. But at the same time, you know, you look at what this coaching staff is doing with other players, and Murray's not getting that same kind of development. And so, you know, you feel bad for him, and it just sucks. It's it's an, it's an awful situation for a player that we all really liked coming out of the draft, we liked as a rookie, and now we are having a hard time finding a spot for him on this team. You can make – he'll be active on game day, but if Rumpf came back and if Fackrell somehow returns
3: to the playoffs and if Bosa and Mosa were healthy, you can make an argument that he would be inactive on game day. Sadly, because they clearly feel like Neiman and Ogboglu I think, are prospects. They'd rather explore at linebacker than him. Yeah, uh, Man, I feel bad for him. I, 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 he's a guy that's always exceeded expectations. A guy that you love to like his story is great. He's so amazing with his family. He wasn't supposed to start at Oklahoma. He earned that starting role it was like their first freshman rookie start or whatever it was. Um, just all the accolades in college maybe not like the best linebacker prospect, but it's certainly a a good one. Yeah. And then for it to turn out like this, man, I feel so bad. I feel so bad for him because I mean, all how much hype was there at the beginning of the season, you know? And Brandon Staley is like, Oh my God, we have a fucking Kenneth Murray. Like, yeah, we had had these guys, but this year I have a fucking Kenneth Murray and the guys that he had at linebacker last year with the Rams, not that great, not as talented as Kenneth Murray. And for him to just be this bad, this bad, it's, It's sad. It's actually really sad. I don't know what there is you can build with moving forward unless you're just banking on the fact that he was a very talented first-round pick. At least Jerry Tillery, you see, okay, he's a situational pass rusher. Maybe that's what you can say. At worst, he's a good situational pass rusher, and I can rock with that. Kenneth Murray can't stop the run. I I don't know what he's going to be doing in coverage, but hasn't been great recently, and he can't rush the passer. There's nothing there to work with. So they probably can't trade him. I've been kind of the weirdo who's like, they should probably trade him because they have no spot for him. (laughs) You can't trade a guy like that. But you can't do anything with him either. So really curious to see how the season plays out and how next season looks for him because, yeah, they need a serious upgraded edge and he's just not it.
1: Can you trade supplementary draft picks? Um, I think if we could get a supplemental draft pick back for Kenneth Murray, I mean, it would be something. (laughs) <laughs> came to the lions i mean you never like somebody is
2: somebody would look at him like laquan laquan Treadwell is still in the oh. league because of his first round status and he's never been anything good so yeah. there's always somebody that will look at like oh. a former first round pick and be like i, I can work with that like, oh you know you know. here's could... the
1: thing i was actually talking about this with arjun on a q a and we were talking about where kenneth murray could go what he's going to do in this defense and I, I think it was me and arjun said on the show that like Bill Belichick would turn Kenneth Murray into Kyle Van Noy and, and 100%. Jamie Collins, 100%. and then we would be like, "Why did we let him go?" <laughs> and it's like, one hundred percent would happen with Kenneth Murray there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think there's a development question to be asked for sure. And I, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's just really disappointing effort from the defense all around. And it goes back to what Tyler said at the top with uh, Tom Tommy T.
2: Yeah man, that was, uh, it was just, it just sucked, man. So, um, thank you guys for tuning in. You know, I, I understand that this is definitely not, uh, the post game live show that we were all expecting. Um, but you know, we always appreciate your support. Um, you know, Alex is back in the States, Tyler and I had Christmas. So, uh, hope everyone's doing good. Uh- <laughs> What are you doing, Alex? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, got the, I got the spinara back here, so happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and happy what, whatever you celebrate uh, holiday. I hope you all got whatever you want as gifts. I hope you were able to spend some time with family, um, and you probably needed that time with your family and your loved ones because that game was hard to watch. Yeah, you know, I got everything that was on my list, but I don't remember asking
3: for a swift kick in the balls for four quarters, but
1: unfortunately <laughs> I ended up with that sometimes the heart doesn't know what it wants until it happens, and you know, we all really wanted a switch so kick at the post.
2: Yeah, you know, uh,
1: I got a new microphone
2: for the podcast, and I was like, you know what, this this post-game episode doesn't deserve the, the don't grace use the, of having the, don't a new microphone. Don't use the microphone. microphone until
1: they win another game. They have to win a game before you use the microphone. Oh, shit. So you have to might return not... the gift now. You might not use it until next season, but
2: oh my gosh good stuff though but uh yeah we'll see you know it's going to be a a really interesting week uh we of course will talk about the broncos more after today i'm not talking about the texans ever again uh going to completely (laughs) wipe this from my memory i will not be watching film like i said earlier um but you know we'll have to see how the rest of the game goes you know these last two games against the broncos and the rainers are that much more important and uh You know, it's going to be very crucial for a lot of players on this team who are up for new contracts. And uh, one of those players isn't going to be playing against the Broncos. So that's fun. Um, Anyways, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you so much for uh, watching the show and supporting the show. Uh, If you wouldn't mind, please leave us a rating or a view on the audio platform of your choice. Uh, Alex had two Coronas on the show. So that's fun. Merry Christmas. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you next time.